Hello, I'm Simon. And I'm Dan. And this is the Wikicast, a podcast where Dan has somebody blowing leaves around outside of his window, and we talk about a random article on Wikipedia. What are we talking about over the sound of a leaf blower this week, Dan? Over the sound of a leaf blower this week, Simon, we are talking about Icelandic Confederation of Labour. Ooh! Yeah. That sounds pretty interesting. Okay. Quite, Quite fruity. Um, which before we dive into that, how are you? We haven't actually spoken for a little while. Yeah, it's been it's been it's been ages actually, really, hasn't it? I'm I'm uh, I'm fine. I've been I've had a very busy August so far, doing lots of fun and exciting things. Um, but it's meant that I've been away out of Exeter. I literally got back maybe two days ago, and then I'm leaving again on Monday, and then I'm back for a couple of days, and then I'm leaving again, and it's all it's all a bit full on. But I'm very well, Simon. How are you? I'm good. I've been very, very busy. Uh, and I've actually been all over the place. I had uh, a holiday last month with Pixel Girl in Cornwall. Uh, and we are going away for the last two weeks of this month. So I'm doing, trying to do weekly uploads on YouTube now. So I've, been, I've basically got the same amount of work, but about half the time to do it in. So that's been fun. Mm. Um, so, so busy, but good. Yeah. I mean, it's been, I'm just, you know, Glad that things are sort of crawling out of the pandemic now. Things are kind of coming back to normal a little bit. And, you know, it's summer and we can see friends and it's all it's all, all right at the moment. Absolutely. But are things all right in Icelandic labour, Dan? Well, we'll, uh, we'll have to strap in, strap on and see. Uh, the Icelandic Confederation of Labour is a trade union centre in Iceland. Would you believe it? Gosh. It was formed in 1916 and has a membership of 104 1,500. Okay, because it was Iceland, I assumed that you were just going to stop at 104. Yes, 104, yeah. <laughs> um, to, to put that into a context that we can all understand, 104,500 is approximately half of the Icelandic workforce. Wow, wow! Yeah. Okay, that's pretty cool. The ASI, because in Icelandic, it uh, the Icelandic Confederation of Labour is, and here's my amazing pronunciation, the Alfjusamband... Uh, Islands. Um, the ASI is affiliated with the International Trade Union Confederation, the European Trade Union Confederation, and the Council of Nordic Trade Unions. Wow. 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 In October 2018, uh, Drifa Sneidel became the first female leader of the union. Oh, good for her. Good for her. So just for context, I just looked this up. Iceland has a population of 350,000 people, roughly. Yeah. So a third of, one in three people, half the working population, but one in three people on the island are in this union. Yeah. That's how unions should be, people. Strong unions. We need to unionise. We need to unionise this podcast, Simon. That's what I'm saying. So many unions were taken down as a part of like a red scare, post, especially post-Second World War. And it was like, you know, anything that's even remotely related to communism is the devil itself. So, you know, we'd lost a lot of our strong unions, certainly in the UK. There are very few of them left. Hmm. So, you know, I'm all for it. I, I you know, I, what do I have to do in Iceland to join? Like, do I have to do a specific job or is it just anyone? Well, I can tell you about the federations and trade unions that are directly and indirectly affiliated to the ASI, which might, right. might give you some guidance there. There are five federations affiliated to the ASI. Those five are the Icelandic Electrical Industry Union, the Icelandic Fishermen's Union, the Icelandic Trade Union Federation, the National Union of Icelandic Traders, and Samyun. I beg your pardon? I don't know what Samyun is. It looks a bit like the word salmon. I'm wondering whether it has anything to do with fish. 
Oh, no, funnily enough, every result is in, unsurprisingly, Icelandic. And <laughs> my Icelandic really isn't up to, uh, up to scratch. In addition, six trade unions are directly affiliated to the ASI. And those six are the Icelandic Dairy Union, the Icelandic <laughs> Flight Attendants Association, <laughs> Leedsung, Matvis, the Union of Hairdressers and the VM. Oh, no, not the Union of Hairdressers. I like the Icelandic Flight Attendants Association. That's incredible. How many people are there? I have that? no that's idea. Like, that's like the 12 Ic- people. The Icelandic Flight Attendants Association. Let's pop this into the Goog and see if we can find. When we started this podcast, I, I just I knew that something like this would eventually happen. But this is so... I, n- I never thought my life would be this way. Right. Like, so oh. in the reputable publication IcelandReview.com... There's an article called the Icelandic Cabin Crew Association, um, which has a load of recent, and I say recent, the last date on here was August the 7th last year. Right. uh, Articles um, pertaining to said union. And the article is titled Transport Workers Federations Condemn Iceland Air's Union Busting Practices. There you go. So we've got to stand up for strong unions, you see. We've got to unionise. It's got to be done. Got to get on my soapbox. Actually, I, I just read, funnily enough, th- just just remembered, um, talking about Iceland, I just read the excellent uh, Anthropocene Reviewed by John Green. Ah, yes, I've been wanting to read this. It's it's great. Uh, in fact, I could lend you my copy because uh, I'm going to be seeing you at the Chapel Choir reunion weekend. Yes, all going, all going well. I'm travelling back from Oxford on the 21st. So providing that there's a possibility that I might be trying to visit some family in Cornwall, but I will I will do my utmost to um. Well, I'll bring it with me to liaise with you. Yeah, that would be and, great. And you can and you can borrow it because I think you'd love it for one thing. Um, mm. and there is a, there is one of the essays in it. So people that don't know, John Green is a as a YouTuber and author, and um, he started a podcast called The Anthropocene Reviewed, where he reviews things from the modern world uh on a five star scale. And some of them are like the plague. Some of them are the Lascaux cave paintings. Um, th- um like grass, Canada geese, uh, things like this. And one of them is about a specific hot dog stand in Reykjavik and how he ended up being in Reykjavik for the first time that Iceland ever won a gold medal in a team sport at the Olympics. And apparently it was like the biggest party he'd ever been to. Hmm. Um, And just, just, you know, it's some very sweet reflections on, you know, the the island itself, but also just like very big concepts, like you know being part of something, yeah, and and hot dogs and things like that. But yeah, you'd love it. I have no doubt you'd love that book. Oh, interesting. And also, we should we should bring this up. Now you mentioned Nordic unions. I did, as is my as I often do in my free time. He's famous for it. Yeah. Dan Nordic Union more. Yeah. Um, and we noticed a little discrepancy on social media, Dan, didn't we? Uh, yes, we did, Simon. He says, knowing exactly what this segue is leading to. Um... Because <laughs> I, this is like Cheddar Gorge, yeah. <laughs> I had a very, um, yeah, basically, I, I you noticed, actually, that Greta Thunberg, climate icon, mm. follows you on Instagram. For some inexplicable reason, yes, she does. And it's a great honour and a privilege. And Greta, if you're listening, uh, thanks so much. I, I did a post about the University of Exeter Green Campus yesterday just for you. So there we go. And the thing is, I looked on Instagram and she follows me. Crazy. Now, what is the logical conclusion from this, Dan? We 
are thrilled to reveal <laughs> that Greta Thunberg next episode will be joining us as a guest. Uh, is that we, 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 we've we've got her permission, right, Simon? Well, I mean, it, obviously she's a fan. If she follows both of us, that's the only logical conclusion. One would hope so. I mean, it would be pretty amazing to have her on. Well, Dan, I got a Twitter direct message this morning. You're, wait, okay, hang on. Let me just... Yeah, okay. I got a Twitter DM from Greta Thunberg. Yeah. That just says, check the Wikicast email, winky face. You're joking. Are you serious? Fergus, tunnel us. We're going to go straight through the centre of the podcast to Correspondence Corner very briefly. We have an email here, and the email is from Isabel Axelson. Greetings, Simon and Dan. You might remember a few episodes ago, episode 90 to be exact, a fellow who likes to think he was funny emailed you pretending to be from Alaska and mentioned me by name. And then you also received my email on my sister playing underwater rugby in this massive coincidence. Mm. Do you remember remember that email? Yes, I do remember that email. And um, getting to the point, Eric is now in Stockholm. So we recorded a podcast with a couple of friends. My twin, Sophia, from, from the rugby, and our fellow friends and activists, Greta Thunberg and Alde Firmskog. A recording of the Swedish Wikicast is attached to this email. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. We speak English, but don't worry. <laughs> and incredible. there are pictures in this yeah. email of this recording happening of the Swedish Wikicast with Greta Thunberg. We also took this absolutely amazing photo of us in underwater rugby hats. Enjoy laughing at us in our egg-headed glory. They are very egg-headed. Uh, it's a podcast, so it's a not a visual medium, but um, mm. <laughs> they do look very funny. It's got to be said. Um, uh, we hope you laugh at our horrible attempt at a podcast and that you do consider our offer of including you of including it, or at least a clip, in your 100th episode. Peace and long life. Isabel Axelson, Eric Christensen, Greta Thunberg, <laughs> Sophia Axelson, and Alda Firmskog. <laughs> I mean, this is <laughs> yeah. just incredible. I mean, we are, of course, going to include it. Of course. Um, that's amazing. I, 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 we can't... What, so it's, a, it's a, what, about a half hour long podcast, so we're not going to pause what we're doing right now to listen to it, but I will listen to this as soon as we finish recording today. I wonder if, I wonder if we could also... I mean, obviously, we'll include it in the, in, the, in the 100th, but I wonder as a special release, sort of, sort of like... Um, Sort of like the pilot, with with permission, if we get in contact with Isabel, Eric, Greta, uh, Sophia, and Alda, um, if uh, if they want us to actually release it under our Wikicast as well, just for a bit of kind of promo, you know. Are you are you suggesting that we signal boost Greta Thunberg? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> hey, no, I mean, every, you know, pe- people have their own special sort of reach and influence. And and Greta, given that she's got twelve million followers on Instagram, and for some reason follows us, um, <laughs> I think that we've got our own special reach as well, Simon. There is a niche that there I'm sure niche. we can help. help absolutely, we are both very, very, very adept at. At seeking niches. Now, steady. Um, now, Greta, if you are listening to this, yeah. big fan, for one thing. Absolutely. Um, if you would like to come on the show, just send us a, send me a DM or send us an email and we will very happily 
have you on. You could be our 100th episode special guest if you if you would like. Yeah, that would be incredibly cool. I mean, we were previously going to get Hugo, but like that guy <laughs> well yeah just a, just a little bit not it doesn't really hold a candle not even a candle like a, a spark <laughs> doesn't hold a very uh low carbon impact led i think you'll find mm. to uh to that's <laughs> sorry this whole situation this is, is so ridiculous i'm really looking forward to listening to the the swedish wikicast though i am too by the way if greta if you are listening to this i also make good stuff if if you if you're basing my entire output into the world on this one podcast, how dare you? How I, dare you? I also no, ignore him. Ignore the small man behind the curtain. I I do actually make good things on YouTube, um, and yeah, just I'm I'm slightly paranoid now that people are actually going to end up listening to this podcast, Dan. I just can't believe this has happened, and I'm sort of can't blown believe you've done this. It. I can't believe you've done this. Thing is, I was in a video call before we were recording this podcast. Um, for a completely different project. And I saw the DM pop up from Greta saying, check the Wikicast email. And I was just like, ha <laughs> Like, immediately started sweating. Like, what the f*** is this? I'm going to um, I'm going to see if I can message her on Instagram now. And say, wait, 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 you can't just ad hoc do that. God, you're like Pixel Girl. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just doing it. No, 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 I'll wait. No! I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. I'll wait. We need to wait for the podcast to be released. Oh god, yeah, my heart. Batter my heart, Dan. Pop it in the fryer. This is it's it's something. Anyway, we're now gonna tunnel back through the show, back to the main section, okay? Fergus, hoist us up. So, Icelandic unions, Dan. Icelandic unions. Sorry, I'm in a complete spin. I'm in a complete flat spin. Leave leave the spin on the other side of the world, Dan. There's important work that needs doing here, because the Icelandic air attendants. <laughs> No. Yes, yeah. The uh the I the Icelandic Flight Attendants Association, the IFAA. Never in the history of podcasting has so little <laughs> been <laughs> been meant. Been meant, yeah. The only so other few. <laughs> the only other information on this Wikipedia page um is titled Presidents and it lists the presidents from nineteen sixteen to twenty eighteen, culminating with the first female president of the Icelandic Confederation of Labour. I think I'm right in saying that, um, like, Nordic nations, so so by that I mean, like, you know, Scandinavia, Iceland, were historically a lot more, um, sorry, a lot less Mm. misogynist in terms of, there was was a lot more equality between men and women. I believe I'm correct in saying that. I know that there was still gender disparity, but that's surprising to me that it's taken that long for, for there to be a female president. Yeah. Because, you know, my one reference point that I really have but I know very well is obviously this country, and we're well, we're pretty awful, really. Yeah, we're not uh, we're not great, are we? But you could pretty much associate that with any anything that we do, apart from maybe choral music. Yes, that's true. Apart from maybe choral music, that's the hill we'll die on. <laughs> yeah. I had the, I had this realization the other day. I was I was um because uh, there was unfortunately a party that you couldn't go to. Uh, our friend uh, Hugo Wickman, um, who may or may not be appearing in the 100th episode, uh, had a party at his house. And I was talking to some friends from Chapel Choir about how England is basically, and I'm going to piss off some international viewers here, but I don't care, uh, it's basically the best place in the world for choral ensembles, you know, for, for re- certainly for religious choral music. Mm. Um because there isn't that there is just such a tradition here. There are obviously very good choral groups in places like America and in places like you know Germany and Italy, but 
it, to quote our friend Michael Graham, um, the, in those places, a lot more emphasis has been put on things like the instruments and uh, the organs in church rather than the choirs. Um, and so that means that when we know people who are one of the best people in the country, like I would classify our friend Michael Graham as one of the best choral, certainly young choral conductors in the country, mm. um, that means he's one of the best in the world. Mm. It, it, I, I had I just never thought about that before, and it was really, yeah. really weirded me out. Goodness, <laughs> I'm not used to knowing people who are good at things. Yeah, <laughs> like on a global scale. Yeah, apart from obviously my darling fiance, who is the best fiance in the world. Indeed, indeed. She may be out my. She may be listening by my door. I, I um I was able to meet with her for a lovely coffee when she was when she was down. It was very very nice to see her. Yes, she said. I'm sorry because I, I was. I think I was busy stressing out my ass with work at that point. Yes, I think um, you were. I think that's how. He, I think that's exactly how she described it as well. <laughs> It's a common state of being at this point, Dan. It's like there are three st- phases of matter that most matter exists. Well, there's not actually. That's actually a complete lie. Did you, can you name the other phases of matter that often uh, matter exists in? Uh, I mean, I'm going to make myself look like a fool now and be like, not like solids, liquids, gases and things. So, so those, those, that's the three that like the classical ones that everybody knows. And when we say there are three phases of matter, that's what we mean. But there are, there are more. Uh, plasma's one, isn't it? That's different. Plasma's one. Uh, I don't know. Other than other than gas, liquid, solid, and plasma, I don't know what else there would be. Those are like the, the. I mean, the majority of matter in the universe is in plasma. To be honest, right? Um, there's also a Bose-Einstein condensate, which is very, very, you know, oh, yes. low energy. Basically, they um, make um, they make good headphones and speakers. <laughs> I never actually owned any of them, to be fair. Um, but yeah, what I was going to say is there are three phases of matter, except there aren't. Uh, 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 but I can exist in the fourth, which is just pissing stress out of my ass. I see, I see. And that is the state that I mostly live in. Right. Um, for example, right now in the background of this video, I have been attempting to uh, edit together my IPCC report video. Ah, uh, of course. Which, for those that just to date the podcast, um, uh, came out earlier this week. Hmm. Um, and I have, oh, I had a um, a nightmare with the interview actually because I went down to Exeter very briefly for sort of a flying visit um, to interview a professor, and um, I was able to get fantastic looking video, but the portable audio recorder that I was using, I've never had this happen before, but it was definitely a human error. I did that thing where you think you're pressing start, but you're actually pressing stop. Ah, classic, yeah. Uh, and vice versa. So what I did was record before the interview yes. and after the interview, but not the interview. Well done. Um, which, yeah, I've, I've never, I've honestly never had happen before. Um, so it's a learning experience. So I'm a bit stressed about how it kind of has come out sounding, but there's not a huge amount I can do about it at this point, really. Well, you know, these things are sent to test us, and I'm sure it'll be brilliant either way. That's from Wicked, isn't it? Um, hey. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, so so I've I've got that coming out, which has been, I mean, it's very appropriate that we have this Greta, you know, revelation in this podcast, I suppose, considering when the report has just come out. Absolutely. Because it's, I mean, it is bad news, but I, I would contend that there is actually some good news buried in there as well. Yes. Um, and that's kind of what the video is about. Uh, it will be out by the time this podcast is out, or something has gone very badly wrong. So yeah, it, it like it's it, it's a weird one, really. I, I I spent all of Monday morning reading it, and it's just um, it's sobering is probably the right word to use. Actually, like it's it's I summarized it on Twitter as things aren't great right now, but they're not too bad. But they will get bad in the future. I see. They we really want to avoid the bad stuff that will happen if we do nothing. But if we take action, we can avoid the really really bad stuff. Hmm. In in a way, that's kind of been the message from the beginning of the IPCC. But the difference is, 
now the amount of time and because of how much better we understand the system the amount of time that we have has shrunk mm. and we know that it has shrunk mm. uh, to do something about it you know that that's basically the the you know that's the really bad news but there, there is good news there's stuff that we thought might have happened in the climate system like tipping points that we think are unlikely to happen um and that's very good news um that mm. has actually bought us time and you know, we think obviously this is all probability based, but we think that that means that we do have that bit more time before things really, really get bad. Yes. But anyway, that's all depressing stuff. Here's, here's hoping. Speaking of depressing stuff, Dan, is there anything more that we can learn about the Icelandic? What was the exact name of this union? The the airline workers union is completely, <laughs> completely overtaken my brain. The Icelandic Confederation of Labour. That's the one. How could I forget? Yeah, it's an absolute classic. Is there anything more that you'd like to talk about there, or should we move on, Dan? I don't believe so. I think we've I think we've sort of squeezed every ounce of juicy knowledge from this particular article. You just had to make it weird, <laughs> didn't you? What's weird about that? Oh, I'm just going to squeeze the knowledge out of this <laughs> through this cheesecloth. I think that's quite. I think that's quite. I think it's quite nice. Hang on. Now you're bringing cheesecloth in. Now you're being the strange one. Well, wait, wait. If you're going to okay, right, right, right. In a curds and whey type situation, if you're going to put knowledge through like a cheesecloth. Mm. Right. I would. I'd use muslin. Okay. Well, okay. Fine. We'll use muslin. Thank you. Is the difference just the pore size? Is that? Is it finer? Uh, I think so. Yeah. Because when you when you strain in order to make cheese, that like you have the curds are the solid bit and the whey is the liquid. Is that correct? Yeah, the liquid like byproduct. So when you strain knowledge, mm. what are the two components that it separates into? Um, I would say probably useful knowledge. And, and the wiki cast. <laughs> and the things that we sort of talk about on this podcast. For instance, as a, as a prime example of this, I was talking to a friend the other day and I, I hit them with some serious, useless, but interesting knowledge. I'll be the judge of that. Um, namely, that the sunflower isn't a flower. What? I know. Isn't that insane? What is it then if it's not a flower? So the leaves of a sunflower, the yellow, bright yellow, beautiful leaves, aren't really flowers at all. I think if from memory, um, aren't really leaves, sorry. They're called... Um, Do you mean they're, they're called, not petals? They're not petals, yeah. They're, um, they're, they're called bracts, B-R-A-C-T-S, I think. The reason I know this is because I follow uh, Hank Green on TikTok. Right. Um, the actual flower of a sunflower are the minute little yellow flowers that appear on the kind of seed head, you know, the black centre. What? No way! And then... The sunflower seeds aren't really seeds. They're really the fruit. And then in each seed are the little seeds. How crazy is that? I'm looking at a picture right now. So in the sunflower, there's like the seedy bit in the middle, but they're not seeds, apparently. And then there's the there's like a furry bit around the outside. Hmm. Wow. And that those are the actual flower. That's the actual flower. It's cool, isn't it? Nature's crazy. Thank you to uh, Hank Green for this. This kind of knowledge just sits in my head and will never go away. And I, I love it. What was the context that you hit somebody with this knowledge? <laughs> I don't know. I think I watched the TikTok and then had to tell somebody immediately. And it was about like half past two in the morning. Oh, it was a knowledge virus. And I was like, morning. Hope you're sleeping well. By the way, sunflowers aren't flowers. Good night. <laughs> <laughs> That's my worst nightmare. That, yeah. that, <laughs> that, 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 someone's sleep paralysis demon t- takes the form of Dan Moore. <laughs> spitting sunflower facts. Yeah, I, I mean, it blew my mind. That's very cool. I'm, I try, I'm trying to think of something similarly cool, but I'm struggling. I can't match up to the sunflower, Dan. Mm. They are beautiful, it's got to be said. Yeah. And this will be my piece of the week. Drum roll, please. 
And we find ourselves in Dan's choral piece of the week. We do indeed. We do indeed. And I'm going to upset people. You have a CD coming up. Is it going to be something from that? It is. It is indeed. So for the past week, I have been, uh, I've been in Truro in in Cornwall, in southwest of England, um, doing a residency at Truro Cathedral um, with a choir called Luceat. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and various other things. There was a CD released earlier this year called uh, Assumpta Est Maria, which is music for the Assumption, um, the Feast of the Assumption. Uh, and I am going to Oxford uh, this coming Monday to go up and record our Christmas CD in the beautiful chapel of Keeble College at Oxford University, which is very exciting. Um, and one of the pieces that uh, that we're doing on that album is... You said it's going to piss people off, so... It's going to piss people off because I'm going to be talking about Christmas music in August. Oh, it's not like Let the Bodies Hit the Floor or no, something like that? No, sadly not. Um, this is uh, a piece called Sing Lullaby, um, arranged by uh, Robert Quinney, um, who I believe... Hang on, let me just do a quick Google. He's the director of music at New College, I believe. Oh, right, yeah. Is he? I don't know, you tell me. Maybe that's wrong. Yeah, it's the director of the choir of New College, Oxford. New College, historically one of the finest choirs in Oxford. Yes. But for people who aren't in the know. Yeah, so that's a, it's, a, it's an arrangement of, uh, of Quinney's called Sing Lullaby, and it's really lovely. Uh, and there's a there's quite a nice second verse tenor solo, and the choir is humming underneath it, and uh, that falls upon me to put that solo in. So when the CD is released uh, later this year, as we approach Christmas, um, obviously get a copy because it's a brilliant choir to support, um, and we're working really hard and we're making an absolutely terrific sound. But have a listen to Sing Lullaby because you'll hear my dulcet tones <laughs> uh, when the when the piece comes out. So that's my choral piece of the week. It's Christmassy. I know it's only August. It's probably very annoying. I had I had my first twinge of wanting to listen to Christmas music. Actually, mm. like I, I I think this is actually when it starts for a lot of people. They're just like, just get that little little hit in their head of like, go on, do it, do it, do it. Listen to Raya Carey. <laughs> I was sitting at my desk yesterday morning listening to choral, listening to Christmas music for about an hour and a half because I'm having to put together. Um, a list of repertoire for some Christmas concerts because I don't know whether I mentioned this last time, but I was going for interview and audition because the Chagford Singers, which is a lovely, lovely town on the outskirts of Dartmoor, went to press advertising for a new director. Oh. And uh, I was shortlisted and I uh, went to my audition. And from the shortlist, they've asked whether I would want to do it. So I'm now the musical director of the Chagford Singers, which is quite exciting. Wow. So I've got my own I've got my own choir, which is pretty cool. And I've been Is that the first time you've you've ever been the principal director of music for something? Yes. Yeah. Oh, congrats. The only other stuff I've done has been like number two things or or sharing something, you know, the shared conductors with ex university singers and but this is something that's completely out of you know it's got nothing to do with the university. It's just a group of singers. Mm. Um and uh, they're all very excited and they're all very lovely. I had a meeting with them last night that did sort of resem- resemble um, Hanforth Parish Council um, <laughs> in the best oh, way. Oh, man, that's a, yeah. that's, that, I'd forgotten all about it. <laughs> yes, yeah. But yes, I'm now the new director of the Chagford Singers, or as I have rechristened them, the Shagford Swingers. How old are the Shagford Swingers? They probably, I would say, the youngest there might be early 50s, um, going up to... 
older than that, to be polite. Um, <laughs> but they're but they're great, and they've done some great things. You know that like I was looking, I've just been sent some information regarding their previous um, music making. They've been doing a load of work on the Brahms German Requiem, which is oh, a lovely piece, pretty yeah. pretty impressive, really. I've got here. Go. I've they've they've sent me a program. The... Retta, by the way, if you're confused, we do this every episode. Yes, yeah, sorry. <laughs> we talk, we talk, we about, talk about English choral music for a bit because we—that's how we met. We're both—we were both choral scholars. I just realised that for the large, possibly large contingent of people who don't have a clue what's going on, that's why we're talking about this. Sorry, yes, as you the, were. Their previous program, their previous Christmas program, uh, commenced with in the first half. It was the Schubert Schubert Mass in G Major. Then there was an interval of twenty minutes, and then they did a cool arrangement of Once in All David City. They did the Vaughan Williams Fantasia on Christmas carols, Holst in the Bleak with Midwinter, Jesus Christ the Apple Tree, Jesus Christ the Apple Jesus Tree, Jesus Christ the Apple Tree, um, uh, and the Lauridsen Omagnum Mysterium, and they they've also done the Lauridsen Lux Eterna set, which is cool, and it's not, I mean it's fairly simple, but it's not just you know, plonky plonky music, which means the ideas that I'm wanting to put down, I think, are quite exciting. So yeah, yeah. There you go. Oh well, c- congratulations, and um, a good choice, I think, for the Christmas music. Like I say, I think I think a lot of people have just started to get that that hit. Oh, I got my first exam results back as well, law-wise, which is great. I've got commendations in both public, nice, and taught, and high pass in contract, which is the one that I I sort of found the most challenging. So from my mocks, they've all gone up massively which is really really great are you happy oh yeah no i'm i'm i'm, I'm thrilled i mean it, it it looks like if my other if the rest of my exams this year plus my dissertation that's due in first week of january if they all go through then i'm, I'm probably looking at graduating with a you know at least a commendation maybe a distinction in the gdl which is pretty exciting very very cool yeah but enough of me i don't want to talk about me all the time goodness oh we want to criticize some other people <laughs> let's go to critics corner So, Simon, we find ourselves in Critics' Corner. What have you been watching, listening to, reading? And is there anything you'd like to bring to our attention? So, I already mentioned The Anthropocene Reviewed yes. uh, by John Green, which is a, a hard recommend by me. I really, really enjoyed it. Um, I have just started reading David Attenborough's Adventures of a Young Naturalist, mm. which is a bit of a weird one uh, because it's it's his stories of going out into the natural world on a very early wildlife photography expeditions and um and I, I mean like 50s and it's really interesting to read it as an adult now because i read similar books by gerald durrell when i was a kid and um they are to me at the time they were like oh this is great they're going off to interesting places and meeting interesting animals and blah 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 this is i love it and now as an adult i can't help but see the historical backdrop that's taking place against like mm-hmm. it's just on the brink of de uh, uh kind of uh, what's the independence so they're in um what is now Suriname that mm. was British Guyana and like just just hearing about the colonial structures it's it's impossible to enjoy the book in the same childlike way that I would have done several years ago um yes. which, which is a little sad but I suppose it's also an in, indicative of growth so you know like you've got to kind of look at it on the bright side I suppose um so I've been reading that I haven't really been watching a huge amount to be honest I've been I've just been quite busy um oh no i tell a lie something that i've watched and i've really enjoyed which is also problematic is clarkson's farm i don't know if you've watched this oh i have i really have i what do you think i, I loved it i know he's a knobhead 
Mm. I know that though, he has said an awful lot of very problematic things. Yes. Um, I suppose in that sense, this is something of a guilty pleasure. Um, yes. I can help the fact that I really enjoyed the way... I, I thought it was refreshing that like he wasn't trying to be a dickhead the entire time. And he was actually earnestly trying to learn how to do something and showcase. Because, you know, I'm from a rural part of the country originally. Um, it, farming's hard. It's really hard. Mm. Um, and I don't think the show flinched away from some of the realities of that. It definitely showed him, like, you know, uh, kind of being molly, molly coddled, I suppose, by money. In mm. that, you know, he got a shepherd for, what, like 80 sheep, which isn't something I don't think you'd normally do. Um, but, like... Yeah, it showed. It showed. I think farming in a way that is far more realistic than anything on Country File, which is just porn for people that shop at Waitrose. Yes, that's true. Like, I enjoyed it, and I know that that's. I, sh- I, you know, Clarkson's a dickhead, but I, I couldn't help but enjoy it. I, I also, I also absolutely loved it. Um, I, I thought it was really refreshing to see the sort of vulnerability of Clarkson because he's just, just him really struggling with with things and and his sort of incredulity over the fact that like well what happens to farmers when things go wrong yeah and and their response is well most of them have to you know a lot of them go under because it's that brutal and he said it i think one of the loveliest things he said was next time you see a farmer in a pub and he's complaining about the weather yeah buy him a pint don't just be like oh well you know because it's a bit wet it's like no because he's probably lost a load of money and as in real trouble yeah I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great. And they have just confirmed season two. So I will probably be watching that. Um, again, feeling somewhat guilty about doing so. Mm. But um, yeah, that, that's been the most recent thing that we we binged that over like two days, I think. But what have you been watching? I have been watching the first... I've watched the first uh, few episodes of the new season of Ted Lasso. Oh, you loved the first... Yes. I remember you saying about this before. Yes, and it's, it's been really, really good. I'm I'm really enjoying it. As I say, I've only seen the first two, so I can't fully comment just because I've been away so much. Um, but I've I've really really enjoyed that. I watched two things recently. I watched the first Pirates of the Caribbean film again when I was oh. I was I was really quite ill uh, two weekends ago with with really quite a terrific uh, case of food poisoning. Oh dear! Really really intense. Um, so I watched the first Pirates of the Caribbean while I was in bed, feeling very sorry for myself. And really quite enjoyed it. I mean, that's a great comfort film. Like, you can't really get better than that. Did you know that Pirates of the Caribbean was based on a ride? Yes, theme park ride. Before the film came out. Yeah, isn't that crazy? That's crazy, isn't it? But also, the executives wanted to uh, boot Johnny Depp off of the film. They thought his performance was terrible. Mm. They were just like, is he drunk? Like, you know, what's this guy doing? Um, Which is just mad, because, you know, that, that is the performance that makes the films. You know, sure. it's as simple as that. If you didn't have Johnny Depp in it, you wouldn't have you wouldn't have Pirates of the Caribbean. Hmm. Um, oh, it's, it's just a great film. It's fun. It's got a very good structure to it as well. And uh, I also watched Kong Skull Island with a friend of mine yesterday. And my goodness, what a terrible film! <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I didn't see that coming at all. It's it's horrifically bad. Um, but it's sort is it of, so it's, bad? It's good. Yeah, it's so bad. It's good. It, you can you just watch and you laugh at all the wrong points because it is just so ridiculous and so just like yeah gratuitous. But uh, so have you seen Kong versus is it Godzilla versus Kong or the other way around? Whatever it is, I have not seen Godzilla versus Kong yet, but I do want to. Having now seen Kong Skull Island, like I'm a fan of movies that are so bad they're good. I I enjoy the Star Wars prequels. Yeah, but like. I I don't know if I could bring myself to invest. It's two hours of my life. I'm not going to get back. Basically, mm. 
you know, like I, I only have so much time on this earth and I, I waste enough of it as it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You've got to be careful with it. The other thing, actually, which I'd like to review briefly, because we I should say that we are quite into our recording session now. Um, and we both, unfortunately, have got to run off and do something after this. Mm. Um, the other thing that I've been doing a lot of recently and I'd like to critique is running. Um, because uh, by the time this episode comes out, it will be um, already done. But I'm running the uh, Two Tunnels Half Marathon in Bath uh, in uh, a couple of days after recording this, which is a really interesting race because it's, it's obviously 13.1 miles. Mm. Uh, but you run through one of the hills that surrounds Bath. Um, so you spend about, I can't remember off the top of my head, it's a, it's over a mile um, underground in this, in this tunnel. And during the day... Um, it's it's a very surreal experience running through this tunnel by yourself. I've I've not done it with other people yet, um, because obviously it's a tunnel. It's echoey, so you hear your breathing and you hear your your feet just kind of regularly smacking into the the tarmac. Um, but they have speakers at regular intervals going down the tunnel, and they're all playing um, different uh, parts of something like a string quartet. There are different instruments. And so you'll be running and you'll whiz past like a viola or a cello um, playing like, and it's relatively kind of postmodern music. So it's quite like, um, you know, the, the parts are designed just to sort of wash together. But uh, when I ran through it the other day on a training run, it was literally like running through an avant-garde music video. It was really something. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been doing a lot of running and my, my review is it's great once you're good at it. Yes. It really sucks to begin with. Because, you know, your, your muscles just aren't used to it. But once you get to a point of reasonable fitness, it's just mm. the best feeling. Like, you just yeah. feel like you can go forever. You feel alive, you know. I did, uh, I, I really got in, back into my running. So I, I used to do a lot of cross-country running at school um, last year. And I keep thinking I really should, I really should get back into it. Because it, I mean, that that sort of endorphin boost mm. and, the, and the sudden release of serotonin i suppose it does just make you it just lifts you in a way that nothing else does physical exercise run as high yeah it's a real thing um and i should mention that um i uh I, i'm fundraising in this half marathon for the cystic fibrosis trust um in honor of our boy danvi who is the sugar daddy of the podcast uh and um as of the time of recording this podcast, I've uh, just raised uh, over £3,500, which is nuts. Yeah, um, brilliant, I'm pretty brilliant. sure the fundraiser is still open after the sh- after the race has happened. So if you hear this and you fancy contributing to supporting the work of the CF Trust, and I did a whole video about this, but basically they are supporting research into cystic fibrosis. They are supporting families of people who have cystic fibrosis. They are lobbying on their behalf. Mm. Basically, they are trying to improve the quality of life and the duration of life, life expectancy of people with this condition, which is um, is work that has been effective. It has really worked. Um, yeah. And people with CF, it's no longer the case that you wouldn't expect to make it to 10 years old. Now you can expect to make 50. Um, but that's still not a whole life. And so there's still more work to be done. So if you'd like to support that work, then I'll leave a link to the Just Giving page in the description. And uh, any donations are gratefully received. But uh, wish me luck because I'm, I will, I ran one half marathon as part of the training the other week accidentally. Mm. And um, I was in severe pain. Oh, really? Like I was the last couple of miles. Because the thing is, I didn't mean to do 13 miles. I meant to do a shorter run and I thought, balls to it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't bring any water with me. So I ran 13 miles and about halfway around, my body stopped sweating because it ran out of water. Um, and from that point on, I was in Agony City, to quote Bob Ross. So 
Pray for me. Pray for Lobo. <laughs> And it's that time again where regular readers of the podcast will know uh, we are in Patreon Corner. Patreon Corner is the part of the podcast where we say an enormous thank you to those who support us on Patreon. Uh, Without your support, this podcast wouldn't exist. We would have no hosting. We would have no money to pay our glorious uh, editor and... and, and, why did you hesitate? <laughs> well, I was going to say editors, but but we only have one technically now, but we've cycled through a few because we're... <laughs> Way to make Fergus feel special. <laughs> no, I don't mean... Th- uh, this is exactly why I hesitated, Simon. <laughs> and you've gone and you've gone and made me look like a, a damn fool. Um, Fergus is doing an absolutely incredible job and we love him dearly. Um, You're killing it, King. Absolutely killing it. Slay, girl. Slay. Um... Uh, and uh, and of course the, the but where the, can people find the Patreon Dan? What's the URL? <laughs> the URL is patreon.com forward slash the Wikicast. Um, nice. It is that actually, isn't it? Yeah, yes, it's the Wikicast. Yeah. yeah. I was wondering if it was Wik- Wikicast. Yeah, it's, it's uh, patreon.com forward slash the Wikicast. That's W I K I C A S T. Um, I went a bit Boris Johnson there. Did you hear? W I K I. I went quite bad Boris. Bad Boris. Riddle ting ting ting. Those of you who haven't met our prime minister, that's yeah, that's pretty much all you need to know. You can support us on on varying sort of tiers: one dollar a month or five dollar a month, dollars a month, if if you would like. Um, but we would like to say a special thank you, or I would like to say a special thank you to those who support us on top dog tier level of support, which is clearly the supreme pet um, of choice, as opposed to Team Cat. Wrong. So without further ado, uh, can I say an enormous thank you to uh, Michael Gustafsson, Martin Narciso, Sam Harvey, soon to be PhD, Elspeth, Ben Caples, Josh Shiaga, uh, Henry the Seventh, King of England and of France, Lord of Ireland, Aaron Carey Augustin, Adrian with an N, Chan, <laughs> Naf Laroche, Hasse Hansen, Aaron Jorgensen, Lexi at front desk, Eve Sharples, Alistair Fortune, Peter Reed, Maggie, Colin J. Brown, Codzo, Ben McMurtry, Jay Wright, and Eric Bolliger. Whereas I would like to thank the people who support us on the top cat level. By far the superior choice. $5 a month, you make the show possible. And those people would be Miko Sepula, Jerry Moore, I'm sorry, I probably mangled that name, but I did my best. Jerry Moore, Nathan Flaherty, Ultra Piggy123, Violet Hatch, Evel Ella, the Physics Boy, Simon P, Jack Easton, Izzy CC, Nafi Eftekar, Christopher Beckerton, Better, God, I can't talk today. Christopher Betterton, Dame Valerie III, Layla Medina, Oliver Craigie, Will Janice Humphreys, Rents Kirk, Oliver Burghart, Omar Miranda, Cole Mansfield, Princess Andromeda, Choco Cat, Bendant, Isabel Ostrowski, Matt McGuire, and the Sugar Daddy himself, Dan Hanby. Fantastic. Thank you, everybody, for your support. You make the show possible. And now we continue on to the rest of Correspondence Corner. Was that enough? I think that was brilliant. Yeah. <laughs> Like you do. Oh gosh, gosh! You know what? You know what we've got here. What? We've got another footnote fest. Oh my god! Yes. Well, you read the main message, and I'll read the footnotes. Marvelous. We have an email here from Alex, um, and the email is titled "I have an answer, sort of, plus fan fiction teaser." Ooh. Okay. The uh, the email reads: "Hello there, I'm Alex." 
You might remember me from my very long email with many footnotes I sent some time ago. See footnote 2. The email of many footnotes. And there's a wikicast fandom... Dan, they've edited the wiki. Fantastic. The email Amazing. of many footnotes. It was it was an iconic email, Alex. It really was. It really was. Change the game. Um, as I said in the subject, I have an answer. But first, I'd like to talk about your latest episode. You asked about the worst spots to play, the worst sports to play naked. Indeed. I must say, I have no experience on this topic. It's probably a good thing, Alex. Uh, I know that in my previous email, I also said I didn't know any weird sports. Footnote three. On your last episode, as of the time of writing, you asked us about weird sports we played. Honestly, I can't come up with any. Alex, personal communication, April 19th. And me not having any experience on sports might lead you to believe I don't practice them, but I do. I like sports. I practice sports. But I usually do it with some clothes on. Boring. Secondly, Simon, in one of your latest videos, you recommended a vegan cookbook, which has led me uh, led me to two questions for both of you. Who is the better chef out of the two of you? Dan. Uh, and what is your favourite vegan or vegetarian recipe? I think I could confidently say that I'm the better chef. I, I enjoy cooking, and I, I think if I was to claim anything, I'd say I'm possibly the better baker. Like, I, can, I, I enjoy baking. Oh, you are, you are undoubtedly the better baker. But you are definitely the supreme chef. You've you, you just got technical skills that I don't have. You know, mostly in slicing your own finger off. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, um, nobody's perfect. Uh, and what is your favourite vegan or vegetarian recipe? Um... I really like a deliciously Ella recipe that's a sweet potato and spinach uh, curry. In fact, we're having that tonight. Very nice. Um, and Happy Vegan, sorry, the Happy Pear uh, Vegan Cookbook has a variety of really good ones. There's a good Indonesian satay in there. Um, God, there's a lot to choose from, actually. Uh, th- those are probably two of my, my favourites. Very nice. I made a really wonderful otolenghi um, orzo with prawns, tomato and marinated feta mm. meal, which is very nice. Um, and we also did a speedy veg noodles with oyster sauce. So it's it's vegetarian in the sense that there's no meat in it. Now, it does contain oyster sauce, but there is an argument to be made that there are some vegans who consider oysters vegan. Really? Because they are effectively just a valve. Bivalve? Yeah, bivalve. The bi bit is the life-giving bit. <laughs> yeah. And that was very nice. That was a waitress um, thing. Oh, cool. But uh, I highly recommend, as I always do whenever we start talking about food, get some Ottolenghi cookbooks. Ottolenghi flavour is entirely, more or less entirely um, veggie, if not uh, vegan, some some of them too. And he, and he recommends sort of substitutes if you want to make them vegan. Um, and Ottolenghi Simple are the kind of like the firm Ottolenghi favourites, and they are both brilliant. Dan, we have a lot of this email yet to go. I am we very have- concerned. And now the moment you're waiting for. I'm sure you remember that in my previous email... I George built... Washington! Sorry. <laughs> I said I had built a super advanced computer with the help of some mice uh, to find the answer to three absolutely vital questions. What is the purpose of writing the Wikicast and having three different ways of naming chemical components and changing them every year? <laughs> I'm proud to let you know that, after many sleepless nights wondering what the answers might be, there have been some promising advan- advancements in these topics. First of all, regarding the purpose of me writing that first email, the computer is still working on it. However, regarding the purpose of the Wikicast, I do have a very surprising answer. 42, that's it. I know it's just a number, but the computer pointed out that we didn't really know the full question. Was it the purpose of recording the Wikicast? Of listening to it? The reason why people seem to enjoy it? We don't really know. The computer has promised further information about this in the future, but nothing has been cleared yet. Just make sure you finish the program. <laughs> and finally, regarding the purpose of having three different ways of ways of naming chemical components and changing them every year, the clues have uh, the clues found have been quite worrying. 
we've discovered posts about people getting too attached to some of the names of chemical components and then suddenly disappearing, leaving their families without notice. This disappear- these disappearances have taken place only some weeks before official changes to chemical component naming rules, which is intriguing. I will continue investigating this issue, issue and will keep you posted. Dan, is this deep wikicast law that I'm not aware of? I have no clue what this is in reference to. It may well be. It may well be. But we, 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 we must be careful. <laughs> we can't talk about it too much because we might ourselves disappear. True. Yes, very true. I know this has been a very long email, but I have one more thing to say. Inspired by your response to my previous question, footnote four... In my previous email, I asked you in which period you'd like to have a Star Wars fan fiction take place. Your answer in both involved both younglings and clones. That is, the prequels. I'm proud to announce I'm writing a Star Wars fan fiction. Hey, hey! I'm attaching a PDF file with the introduction slash crawling text. I hope you enjoy. Also, if you haven't done so yet, do join the Discord for a special sneak peek of the promotional poster. Footnote 5. I will send it as soon as I can when this episode is released. As always, there's a link to the Discord server in the description of this episode. Footnote 6. Found Discord channel, and then there's a, a link. It, it, that's not how e- reading an email out works, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> that's all for now. Don't forget to tune in next uh, ep- episode for the very first chapter of the... I don't think we can say that. The Holocast. Okay. No oh, there's a follow-up message. Hang on, it says, Holocast sounds quite similar to Holocaust. This was not intentional. It was supposed to be a mix between the Wikicast and the Holonet, which is the Star Wars internet. Fine. Well, I we there we go. We might need to rename that one. We might might want to rename it. Um, thanks for all the great non-tent, Alex. Age forty-two units. Footnote seven. In some very random unit system, my age is equal to forty-two units. Footnote eight. Now you know how I feel, Imperial System users. Yeah. You're writing about an Imperial system. You're writing about Star Wars. Right, and so I can I can proudly debut the trailer for the Hollow Cast. Can we put the Defluted version of the Star Wars theme underneath. We're definitely this. changing that name. We are changing that name. <laughs> so please, um, ladies and gentlemen, uh, prepare yourself, uh, Fergus. If we can have some suit- suitably sci-fi music underneath no, no, no. this, this. Flute Star Wars music. Flute Star Wars music. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. There is unrest in the Galactic Senate. Several thousand solar systems have declared their intentions to leave the Republic. Meanwhile, Jedi apprentices continue their training in the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Hoping to one day pass the trials, they attend classes every day, do all their homework, practice with the Force, and train with their lightsaber. Oh god, I can see where this is going. Unaware of the bigger threats menacing peace and order in the galaxy, two young Padawans get ready for another day at school. This sounds like a That's going to be something. That's that is going to be something, Alex. Alex, very exciting. Always a pleasure to hear from you and marvellous footnote work. We have an email here from Ollie Brown. Dear Mrs. Clark et al. That's a new one. Long time <laughs> writer, first time reader. I'm an undergraduate student at the University of Victoria in British Columbia, Canada, studying physics and astronomy. Watching Simon's vlogs and a near cult-like following of the podcast has hyped me up for returning to academia and in-person classes this autumn. So thank you for that. I should also point out, I didn't catch your name, unfortunately. I was in Exeter the other day and I bumped into a fan of the show. Uh, it was the first time that somebody had come up and said, I really like the Wikicast before they amazing. said anything about the videos or anything. I'm like, oh, I really like the Wikicast. And I was like, oh, we need to record one this week. Mm. Um, so I, I'm sorry I didn't catch your name, but um, we had lunch at the vegan cafe by, oh, what's it called? Sacred Grounds. Um, and uh, 
yeah, lovely to meet you. But I just I realised I hadn't mentioned that up until now. But yes, real life, they, they, they do exist, Dan. They really do exist. Anyway, um, on the subject of cats versus dogs, Dan, please show Simon some compassion as Stockholm Syndrome, we're back to Greta, is <laughs> yeah. a very serious matter and experienced by practically all cat owners. I mean, honestly, how else can one explain voluntarily living with an external parasite that is hell-bent on killing its host? Simon, if Jasmine is forcing you to say a nice thing about Satan's feline servants, blink twice to notify the authorities. She's a sweet old lady. She's not trying to kill us. She actually tried to trip Pixel Girl up going down the stairs the other day. But she's not trying to kill me. Like, she's just, if, if anything, she's trying to kill me with cuteness because she is perfect and adorable mm. here. No words against her. Anyway, oh, oh, the email says, but I digress. <laughs> it wouldn't be a true correspondence without some poignant questions. For Dan, You've mentioned in earlier episodes your love of gardening. If you had an unlimited budget, what would you have in your garden? Ooh. I know the answer to this. Oh, yes? Dodie. I mean, that's true. That's you would just true. pay to have a Dodie in your garden. A Dodie <laughs> tree. No, no, no. Do- th- th- an act- just her. Oh, actually, Dodie. Oh, I see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, I mean, also that, yeah. Um, <laughs> I would I would, I'd probably just go mad pl- planting veg. I, I really like gardening. I'm less of a kind of flower gardening person i like to i like to grow things i can eat um so i would the the biggest thing is just making sure that you've got the space because there's you know like for things like courgettes they take up an awful lot of space so you need to put them in separate planters and things so i would just go mad with having basically like a year round um a year-round veg garden that I can kind of cycle through the seasons and, and have on rotation would be amazing. Uh, and for Simon, what advice, if any, do you have for international students interested in doing a master's in the UK? It's my understanding that master's over there are much more condensed, but to be honest, the whole process just confuses me. Yeah, UK master's are pretty... Uh, obviously, it depends on the subject and where you're doing it, but it, I think they are quite compressed and quite intense. Um, they're also very expensive. That is the thing that I would... Um, with any kind of postgraduate qualification, ask yourself why you're doing it. If you're thinking of doing it for financial reasons, to be fair, a master's is probably one of these things that actually probably will be worth the investment, but it is expensive up front as an international student in particular. Um, but if you are, if that's not a concern for you, if you've got funding, um, then, you know, do, do what you're interested in ultimately. Same, same as with, you know, the normal uni advice that I give to people. Um, follow the subject that you're interested in. Pick a university that, to be honest, you don't actually need to pick the university that you'll feel at home at because you're only going to be there for a year, l- less than a year, actually. Whereas for an undergraduate, it's more picking somewhere where you feel at home. Mm. Um, I, I'd approach it for if it's a one year course, which most of them are, um, as an investment in yourself. And approach everything else to do with it in terms of how much money you're going to put into it, in terms of the um, where you choose to do it and which subject. Look at it as an investment in yourself, which can be financial, but it can also be for other reasons. It can be just the way that you know you're going to live your life. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going to earn more money, but it might mean that you have a different perspective on life by you know following something to a very high level. Um, but if you, yeah, if you if you are able to do so, if you're in the lucky position of being able to afford it, then um, go for it. Um, I, I personally didn't enjoy my master's year too much, but that wasn't so much because of the course. It was because of everything else that was going on. Everybody else who I know uh, seems to have really enjoyed doing a master's. And Ollie finishes saying, keep up the fantastic non-tent lads and know that it helps people more than you imagine. Cheers from Canada, Oliver Brown. Well, thank you, Ollie, for that. Um, I'm, gl- I'm glad to hear that you're, you're hyped for returning to academia and somehow the podcast has helped in some small way. Really? Um, 
We tr- I, w- I was about to say we try our best. I'm not actually sure we can say that, to be honest. <laughs> I think we I think we try a I think we try an entirely acceptable amount. We try somewhere around the middle. <laughs> I think so. You can tell when we get really excited over something, and then I think we really do try. Um, for instance, when we've been talking about the Icelandic Confederation of Labour. Oh, what a professional. What a professional. He's brought it back to the subject of the show, everybody. What did wow. we talk about today, Dan? Well, Simon, today we talked about the Icelandic Confederation of Labour and the many, many affiliates uh, directly and indirectly associated with uh, said uh, confederation, including the Icelandic Flight Attendants Association, the Union of Hairdressers and the Icelandic Dairy Union. We had an extraordinarily exciting set of correspondence. We really did. Um, which has... It, it, I mean, I'm going to call it, that is the most momentous moment in the history of the show. Absolutely. 100%. No question. Uh, which was amazing. Uh, and thank you very much um, for... <laughs> thank you very much, Isabel, for sending that in and just caught, making prodding Greta to give me a heart attack with that DM. That was, yes. that was yeah. quite something. We also talked about some Christmas music. We did. Some would say too early. I wouldn't say so. We did indeed. And we had a riveting conversation over the many failings of Kong Skull Island, <laughs> uh, the the success that is Ted Lasso um, and various other... The problematic enjoyment of Clarkson's Farm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's all for this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to us on your podcasting service of choice. Join the Discord. And if you'd like to see our faces, which hopefully you actually will be able to soon, check out our YouTube channel, Spongy and Electric. Questions for the wonderful Greta, support for Simon's upcoming running, and other thoughts on the show can be sent to us at spongyelectric at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Join us again for another tumble down the wiki rabbit hole. And, and we'll see you next time. Bad Boris, bad Boris. Riddle, tick, 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 four.